smoke of towns, or is it only cloud drift? Beyond the wild wood comes the wide world, said the rat, and that's something that doesn't matter either to you or me. I've never been there, and I'm never going, nor you either, if you've got any sense at all. Don't ever refer to it again, please. Now then, here's our backwater at last, where we're going to do lunch. Leaving the main stream, they now passed into what seemed at first sight like a little landlocked lake. Green turf sloped down to either edge. Brown, snaky tree roots gleamed below the surface of the white, wide water. While ahead of them, the silvery shoulder and foamy tumble of where, arm in arm, with a restless tripping mill wheel that held up in its turn a gray-cabbled mill house, filled the air with a soothing murmur of sound, dull and smothering, yet with little clear voices speaking up cheerfully out of it at intervals. It was so very beautiful that the bull could only hold up both for a pause and gasp. Oh my, oh my, oh my. The rat brought the boat alongside the bank, made her fast, helped the sill awkward mole safely ashore, and swung out the luncheon basket. The mole begged as a favorite to be allowed to unpack it by all by himself, and the rat was very pleased to indulge him and to sprawl at full length on the grass and rest. While his excited friend shook out the tablecloth and spread it, took out all the mysterious packets one by one, and arranged their contents in two orders, still gasping, Oh my, oh my, at each fresh revelation. When all was ready, the rat said, Now pitch in, old fellow, and the mole was indeed very glad to obey, for he had started his spring cleaning at a very early hour that morning. And his people will do, and had not pause for a bite or sup. He had been through a very great deal since that distant time, which now seems so many days ago. What are you looking at, said the rat presently, when the edge of their hunger was somewhat dulled, and the mole's eyes were able to wander off the tablecloth a little. I am looking, said the mole, at a streak of bubbles that I see traveling along the surface of the water. That is a thing that strikes me as funny. Bubbles. Oh, said the rat, and chirped cheerily in an inviting sort of way. A broad, glistening muscle showed itself above the edge of the bank, and the otter hauled himself out and shook out the water from his coat. Greedy beggars, he observed, making for the provender. Why don't, didn't you invite me, Ratty? This was an impromptu affair, explained the rat. By the way, my friend, Mr. Mole, Brown, I'm sure, said the otter, and the two animals were friends forthwith. Such a rumpus everywhere, continued the otter. All the world seems out of the river today. I came up this backwater to try and get a moment's peace, and then stumbled upon you fellows. At least, I beg pardon. I don't exactly mean that, you know. There was a rustle behind them, proceeding from a hedge wherein last year's leaves still clung thick, and a stripy head with high shoulders behind it peered forth on them. 
Come on, old badger, shouted the rat. The badger trotted forward a pace or two, then grunted. Hmm, company, and turned his back and disappeared from view. That's just the sort of fellow he is, observed the disappointed rat. Simply hates society. Now we shall see any more of him today. Well, tell us who's out on the river. Toads out for one, replied the otter. It is brand new wager boat, new toys, new everything. The two animals looked at each other and laughed. Once it was nothing but sailing, said the rat. Then he tired of that and took to bunting. Nothing would please him but to bunt all day and every day, in a nice mess he made of it. Last year it was houseboating, and we all had to go and stay with him in his houseboat and pretend we liked it. He was going to spend the rest of his life in a houseboat. It's all the same. Whatever he takes up, he gets tired of it and starts on something fresh. Such a good fellow, too, remarked the otter reflectively, but no stability, especially in a boat. From where they sat, they could get a glimpse of the main stream across the island, what separated them. And just then, a wager boat flashed into view, the rower, a short, stout figure, splashing baldly and rolling a good deal, but working his hardest. The rat stood up and hailed him, but Toad, for it was he, shook his head and settled sternly to his work. He'll be out of the boat in a minute if he rolls like that, said the rat, sitting down again. Of course he will, chuckled the otter. Did I ever tell you that good story about Toad and the lock keeper? It happened this way. Toad, an errant mayfly, swerved unsteadily off the ride to the current in the intoxicated fashion affected by young bloods of mayflies seeing life. A swirl of water and a gloop, and the mayfly was visible no more. Neither was the otter. The mole looked down. The voice was still in his ear, but the turf whereon he had sprawled was clearly vacant. Not an otter to be seen, as the far and distant horizon. But again there was a streak of bubbles on the surface of the river. The rat hummed a tune, and the mole recollected that animal etiquette forbade any sort of comment on the sudden disappearance of one's friend at any moment, for any reason or no reason whatever. Well, well, said the rat, I suppose we ought to be moving. I wonder which of us had better pack up the lunch basket. He did not speak, as he was frightfully eager for the treat. Oh, please, let me set them all. So, of course, the rat led him. Packing the basket was not, like, was not quite such a pleasant work as unpacking the basket. It never is. But the mole was bent on enjoying everything. And although just when he had got the basket packed and strapped up tightly, he saw a plate staring up at him from the grass. And when the chop had been done again, the rat pointed out a fork, which anybody ought to have seen. And last of all, behold, the mustard pot, which he had been sitting on without knowing it. Still, somehow, the thing got finished at last, without much loss of temper. The afternoon sun was getting low as the rat sculled gently toward homewards in a dreamy mood murmuring boy 
Marjorie thinks over to himself and not paying much attention to Mole. But the Mole was very full of lunch and self-satisfaction and pride and already quite at home in a boat, so he thought, and was getting a bit restless. Besides, and presently he said, Ratty, please, I want to row now. The rat shook his head with a smile. Not yet, my young friend, he said. Wait till you've had a few lessons. It's not so easy as it looks. The mole was quiet for a minute or two, but he began to feel more and more jealous of rat. Sculling so strongly and so easily along, and his pride began to whisper that he could do it every bit as well. He jumped up and seized the skull so suddenly that the rat who was gazing out over the water and saying more poetry things to himself was taken by surprise and fell backwards. <sighs> Off his seat with his legs in the air for a second time, while the triumphant mole took his place and grabbed the skulls with entire confidence. Stop it, you silly ass, cried the rat from the bottom of the boat. You can't do it. You'll have us over. The mole flung his skulls back with a flourish and made a great big dig at the water. He missed the surface altogether. His legs flew up above his head and he fought himself lying on the top of the prostrate rat. Greatly alarmed, he made a grab at each side of the boat in the next moment. overwent the boat and he found himself struggling in the river. Oh my, how cold the water was and oh how very wet it felt. How it sang in his ears as he went down, down, down. How bright and welcome the sun looked as he rose to the surface, coughing and spluttering. How black was his despair when he felt himself sinking again. Then a firm paw gripped him by the back of his neck. It was the rat, and he was evidently laughing. The mole could feel him laughing. Right down his arm through his paw, and so into his, the mole's neck. The rat got hold of his skull and shoved it under mole's arm. Then he did the same by the other side of him, and swimming behind propelled the helpless animal to shore hauled him out and set him down on the bank, a squashy, pulpy lump of misery. When the rat had rubbed him down a bit and wrung some of the wet out of him, he said, Now then, old fellow, trot up and down the towing path as hard as you can, till you're warm and dry again. Then I'll die for the luncheon basket. So the dismal mole went without and ashamed within trotted about till he was fairly dry, while the rat plunged into the water again, recovered the boat, right into her and made her fast, fetched his floating property to shore by degrees, and finally dived successfully for the lunch basket and struggled to land with it. When all was ready for a start once more, the mole limp and dejected took his seat in the stern of the boat and as they set off, he said in a low voice, broken with emotion, Randy, my generous friend, I am very sorry indeed for my foolish and ungrateful conduct. My heart quite fails me when I think how I might have lost that beautiful luncheon basket. Indeed, I have been a complete ass and I know it. Will you overlook it this, this once and forgive me and let things go on as before? That's all right, 
Bless you, responded the rat cheerily. What's a little wet to a water rat? I am more in the water than out of it most days. Don't you think any more about it? And look here. I really think you had better come and stop with me for with me for a little time. It's very plain and rough, you know. Not like Toad's house at all. But you haven't seen that yet. Still, I can make you comfortable. And I'll teach you how to row and to swim. And you'll soon be as handy on the water as any of us. The mole was so touched by his kind manner of speaking that he could find no voice to answer him. And he had to brush away a tear or two with the back of his paw. But the rat kindly looked in another direction, and presently the mole's spirits revived again, and he was even able to give some straight back talk to a couple of morons who were snickering to each other about his miracled appearance. When they got home, the rat made a bright fire in the parlor and planted the mole in an armchair in front of it. Having fetched down a dressing gown and slippers for him, and told him river stories till supper time, very thrilling stories they were, too, to underdwelling animal-like mole. Stories about wares and sudden floods and leaping pike and streamers that flung our bottles. At least bottles were certainly flung, and from streamers, so presumably by them. And about herons, and how particular they were whom they spoke to. And about adventures down drains, and night fishing with otter, or excursions far afield with badger. Supper was a most cheerful meal. But very shortly afterwards, a terribly sleepy mole had to be escorted upstairs by his considerate host to the best bedroom, where he soon laid his head on his pillow in great peace and contentment, knowing that his newfound friend the river was lapping the sill of his window. This day was only the first of many similar ones for the emancipated mole. Each of them longer and fuller of interest as the ripening summer moved.